It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 40 degrees outside at 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, along with Ashley Frasca, the Gardener Why Bird this morning. We are both answering questions on the air this morning at 404-872-0750. Ashley, this morning we started the show with the whole dialogue about kiwifruit. And if you want to know more about kiwifruit, I'll refer people to listen to the show, which people can listen to the show. I'm not sure everybody knows that, but you can download portions of the show and listen to later in the week. So what I'm going to do is make this a little interactive. I'm going to take a picture of this truly large pail that you brought in full of kiwi fruit. All right. And they were grown here locally in Georgia. So I got to let them ripen for a couple of weeks on the kitchen counter, and then they'll be ready to eat. I wish this picture was interactive enough to where I could share with listeners and they could actually eat some <laughs> too. Because it's a lot of kiwis. You'll have to eat them yourself and tell them how big and nice they are. But you know what I was just telling you off the air, Walter, is I I love every show at 6 a.m. You've been on in the 6 o'clock hour for 26 years, and you kind of have an opening monologue, you know, something that you've observed or something that you did that week. And like I just said, I I woke up this morning not thinking about kiwi fruit at all. (laughs) But you opening the show with that, and then some callers responded to it last hour. You know, two or three of your callers had an additional question that they thought of in addition to the question they originally called with about Kiwi. Like you really make people think. And I love your time with Nicole at the beginning of every show because it just makes me as a listener stop and think, I need to slow down. I need to be a little more observant about the world around me. You know, I mean, just kind of notice what's going on. Notice what's in your neighbor's yard. So how do you listen to the download of the show? Where do you go on the WSBRadio.com? So, yeah, website. on WSBRadio.com, and then along the top, there's a little thing that says shows, and you see all of our hosts and all of our shows. So when you go to Lawn and Garden, it's like Walter's page on WSBRadio.com, and it's what we call the podcasts of the show, but we basically take all three hours and just break it each segment down with no commercials. And so um, I have landscapers that have called the show in previous years, and they, they've asked, you know, if, if one week's podcast or one week's episode doesn't get up on the website, they're like, I listen to Walter's, yeah, you know, on, I, I listen back to Walter's online. show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday online, and it's not there. I need a new show, you know, so that's, that's a really good resource. If you miss advice Walter gave or wanted to hear something again, that's the way to do it. Sure. Download it right there or listen to it, I guess, right there on your computer. Marty is in Tombsboro and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Marty, hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Is this Toonsboro like in Wilkinson County, Toonsboro? That is it. I'll be darned. How do you listen to us down there, Marty? Say again? How do you listen to us in Toonsboro? I can get it over the internet. I'll be darned. What's your question question this morning, Marty? Question is about my uncle's house over in Charleston. Uh, As he got older, he sort of let things go. So his A is as high as the E to the house. Wow. The question is... How far can I prune that out back without killing them or making an absolute mess? 
Mm, you can print them back a lot without killing them, and you're going to make an absolute mess no matter what you do. So <laughs> choose one. Uh, I pruned one, same as you, Marty. About five years ago, I pruned an azalea down from the eaves of the house from, whatever it was, eight or nine feet, I guess, down to four feet. Had a huge pile of limbs and leaves and things like that when I finished. It looked really sticky, you know what I mean? <laughs> Lots of sticks and nothing was no, not many leaves on it. It grew new branches, new leaves, new buds during the summertime. And the next spring, Marty, you wouldn't believe how good that thing looked. It was covered in flowers. Okay. So the answer so is, do- you, all the way down, I would go down to uh, four feet, three feet, something like that. And then just do it the best time is, what, March sometime? I would do it before it flowers, even. I think before it flowers gives you a little more healthy shrub and it doesn't have all the energy expended in the flowering process so do it in March before the flowers come on it okay that's what I need to know thank you sir tell them hey down in Wilkinson County Forest we'll see you soon Marty thanks for calling now if there's something to be done now in the fall you know I mean a lot of flowering shrubs you Mm -hmm. want to prune right after they flower but for fall and in preparation for winter, oftentimes you have said that you can maybe just reduce something by a third yeah, by this a time bit. of year. Yeah, by a little bit if you need to for maintenance, if it's hanging over the walk or something like that. So would that be true for that? Or I mean, Marty doesn't Same need thing. to waste his time doing it twice, I guess, exactly. doing some now exactly. and some in March. Just wait and do it all in March. But I heard Marty say something that a lot of people believe or are worried about. He said, I'm worried that I put it down from the ease down to where I want it. It'll kill it. You know, that's the thing that a lot of people worry about. Mm-hmm. Pruning a shrub is like cutting off your leg and cutting off grandma's arm or something like mm-hmm. that. No, you won't kill them. If you have any kind of healthy plants, they will usually come back. It's always a good idea to do a little research, of course, and find out when it blooms, like you said, Ashley. So you do the pruning after it's finished blooming and you've enjoyed it. But for a lot of plants, do severe pruning during the wintertime. They do fine. You know what I think our, our human nature kind of tells us, like you said, we think of it in terms of our (laughs) limbs if you're cutting something off, but leaving open cuts exposed in the wintertime, like that's what scares people. Like, well, I just pruned it and then, you know, there was a frost that happened two weeks later. So I think in our minds, we're thinking that cold gets into an exposed cut and is somehow going to kill the plant. Right. At least that's the way I think of it. That exposed cut is actually a good thing because oxygen that touches the cut is what causes the plant to, to heal. And so if you don't leave it open cut, if you cover it with tar or paint or something like that, you end up with a plant that takes a longer time to heal than one that you just leave open. So do leave it open. Even though it's cold and you worry about it, leave it open anyway. Nice. Yeah, let's go to Felix in East Point. Felix, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Well, how you doing? Hey, man, we're all right. What's up? Well, I'm, I, I got a pear tree in my backyard, and... Uh, the pears are growing tiny, very tiny. I wanted to know uh, what what would I have to do so the pears can grow um, into its normal uh, size. When you say tiny, give me an example of tiny. Um, uh, very, uh, uh, very small. It, uh, 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 size of a golf ball or a little bigger? Golf ball, BB, blueberry, grape. What do you think? It looked like a, a little BB. Oh, those are tiny. It's not a fruiting pear. It's a Bradford pear. Grayson pear? It's a Bradford pear that's just goes, going for its flowers and not for its fruit. It won't make fruit. It won't make pear. Well, it does make pears because you see them there. But those little bitty fruit are no, never going to get any bigger because they're not, um, they're not going to have any sugar in them. They'll stay at the same size. They won't taste very good. 
And so you may have a it, pear it tastes tree. very good, but it but it it very very tiny. That's a Bradford pear. It's got to be. It's Bradford one of, one of the wild pears that just are. I guess people thousand years ago ate the fruit like you, Felix, and said, well, it tastes all right, but I would, I would love to have one bigger. And so they crossbred yeah. and bred and crossbred again until uh-huh. finally they got some fruit that was big size and good, good to eat. It was, you know, the size of your fist, like a pear should be. Yeah. But the calorie pear, or the wild pear, the Bradford pear, it would be common to have them in the backyard. It would be common for them to fruit, but the fruit will never get any bigger than what you see right now, and it'll never taste very good at all. Oh, so so they, they, they're going to say the same size? You got it. Oh, okay. All right. So, okay. Thank you very much. Enjoy, Appreciate it. Enjoy the flowers. Enjoy, you know, have the shade underneath the tree. Enjoy a lot of things about the tree, but you won't get any fruit, I'll bet. Okay. Yeah, I watch television? Well, we do once in a while. Why? Well, I'm, I'm, I was on television. I was on yeah, the television I, show. Well, what? No, I, I'm telling the truth. I was on the TV show, and I'm going to be on the TV show again. I'm going to be on the TV show. Which TV uh, show, Felix? America's Got Talent. Felix, we'll be looking at you and rooting for you. That's amazing. Good luck. We will, we will shout and scream and say, we know him. We know him, Felix. He's <laughs> go, Felix. Go, go, go. All right. All right. Yeah, take care. Thanks. Have, some, have a great day. Have a great time, Felix. Have so, a great thing. Bradford pears. Yeah. So many Southerners are very familiar with them. They Some of them smell. Some of, them, some of us are genetically predisposed to being able to smell them. Yeah. I can't, but I know people complain about either. them. But, so Bradford pears... The association I have, a lot of people line these long, long, long driveways. Like those are good trees to just line a driveway. They grow upright, but they're huge. Yeah. So, but they don't really resemble a real pear tree. You're exactly correct. The leaves are a little darker green. And and that's because they're different species Mm -hmm. of pear. And the calorie pear is Pyrus caloriana. That's the Latin name for the name of the Bradford pear. And the species of uh, edible pears is Pyrus uh, avalana. One of the, it's, it's not uh, it's not calorie, and so the calorie pear was bred and crossbred to make flowers. And so they have these nice flowers and line the highways and line the driveways and things like that. Whereas the edible pear was crossbred and crossbred and crossbred to make a big fruit that was juicy and got, you know good things in it. Yeah. And so you eat that. So that's the difference between different species of Plants. So you just knew right away from Felix saying the fruit never got any larger. That was your indicator right there. That I had was... a feeling. Okay. All right. <laughs> I had a feeling that Felix had a Bradford in his backyard. I bet he does. I bet I went back there right now and look at it and say, that's a Bradford pear. But you know, the other thing, the, bra- the bad thing, if it is a bad thing about Bradfords, they have nice, pretty flowers, just like you sure. said. Mm-hmm. Boy, they fall apart. The limbs fall out of Bradford pears. They are really weak wooded. They, they fall on your house, fall on your car, fall on doghouse fall everything so you got to be careful where you plant them and don't put anything valuable underneath them it's 717 at news talk wsb we'll be back after this it's scott slate did you know you can listen to walter reeves on saturday mornings on your amazon echo or dot and me too weekday mornings just say alexa play wsb and we're on 95.5 wsb atlanta's news and talk here's walter Welcome back to the Lawn and Garden Show. It's 723 on a Saturday morning. Ashley Frasca in with Walter Reeves, kind of co-hosting the show this morning. And want to give you a weather update so you can plan your weekend. Brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Early morning drizzle and then sunny, a high of the upper 50s, maybe around 58 lows, around 36. And tomorrow a little bit better, more sun. 
High of 60, low of 38. And the complete weather forecast comes up here in minutes on 95.5 WSB. So Walter and I, of course, taking calls as he always does this morning, 404-872-0750. And also questions from our open mic feature, which we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to talk to Sharon and Woodstock about her azaleas. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning, Walter. Thank hey. you for taking my call. I have questions about my Encore azaleas. Um, I have them planted on the south side of my house. They get pretty much full sun for the whole day in the summertime when the sun is high. There's a house that's fairly close to me. And they're not doing well. They're not particularly happy. And now they're covered with spider mites, although I have to say that they look a lot happier now that it's been raining. Right. So uh, I don't know. One, my first question is, are they getting too much sun and do I need to move them or is it possible the problem is more water-related than sun-related? And two, what's the best time to treat for spider mites? Now, have you seen the mites on the leaves or do you just see something different about the leaves but you can't quite pinpoint well, what it is? Well, it's a little bit of both. You know, it's got, it's, I, I know what they look like. Like, I know what, a, okay. what the symptoms are. It's the leaf and then the brown stuff on the back. And it's like, there's spider mites. I just don't know when to treat for them. All right, I've now, got neem oil, which tell- should, like, cover almost any kind of little parasitic infection. I'm pretty sure it's not a viral infection. No, and, and neem but, oil is good for that. But let's back up a little bit. So you see the, the soot kind of on the back side of the leaf from the bug. But then does the top of the leaf have, like, some white? Okay, so that also could be lace bugs. What Walter has said in the past, when it's really sunny conditions, which I don't think too much sun, I mean, that, that can never be a bad thing for an azalea, but the, the lace bugs really thrive in the sunny conditions. So we may lean more toward having lace bugs than spider mites. Can't you see those, though? I mean, or am I confusing those with the white flies? You can see spider mites. Very, it's very difficult to see spider mites. Lace bugs, I yeah. can see because so I pick them out. They're mm-hmm. bigger than spider mites. So I think Ashley's right on it. I think it's that little lace bug, not spider mite. Okay. So, but, but so, lace bug control, you're along the right line yeah. using like a horticultural oil, neem oil, something like that. Um, summer was a really good time to control them because the larvae and the life cycle and all that kind of stuff. So, Walter, what, right. what should she do now? You know, right now, there's not a lot you can do, Sherrod. You can right. <laughs> enjoy the azaleas when they bloom the spring. But as soon as it gets a little bit of warmth in April, she's right, neem oil, insecticide, soap, horticultural oil, all those insecticides that are organic. And be sure that you get underneath the leaf. Mm-hmm. That's where the lace right. bugs live. Right. Okay. So wait until the spring and just... And and then what about the sun issue? You don't think that's a problem? Maybe more water problems well, than sun? Well, Encores like the sun, and that's why when you oh, I saw a type on the screen here in the studio share, when it said Encore Azalea is covered in spider mite, I thought Encore Azaleas love sunshine. Not like the other old-fashioned Japanese Azaleas, but the Encore Azaleas like being in more sun, and they're more right. likely then to get lace bugs because of that. Lace bugs, okay. Okay, so I'll just wait until the spring and then make sure they get plenty of water and they should be fine in the sun because that's what it says on the label. Yeah, so that's why I put them on the south side of my house. Yeah, be, no, that's perfect. Be sure and treat them. Be sure and give the insecticide and give those lace bugs a goodbye. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 735 at 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Garden, joined by Ashley Frask of the Weinberg this morning. Ashley and I are doing a different format of the show so that she can ask questions during the show. We actually have a screener. DeMarco Williams is out there screening our calls this morning, making sure that we get our calls screened properly and in order. We'll talk to Gail in Woodstock in just a minute about pruning her lantana, which is a controversial subject. When should you prune <laughs> your lantana? We will fight about that for a little bit. <laughs> First, though, you know you can always ask your question on Saturday morning by going to the WSB radio app. You're on your cell phone. In the bottom right-hand corner, it says open mic, and you can ask garden questions in the open mic feature. And we've got Jay on the line to ask the garden questions this morning. Jay from Dunwoody. Walter and Ashley... <laughs> If I plant grass on bare soil, will it grow? What's the best time of year to do it? And what's the best type of grass to do it? Jay is full of questions. He's a wine bird, too. So, and now, really, fall, although we're shortchanged on fall, don't get me started this year, but so fall would be the best time if you were to do it on, quote, bare dirt, like Jay said. Because, with fescue. With fescue. Yes, right, with yeah. fescue, because then when you're seeding in the spring, you're kind of overseeding, you know, what's already there. So let's take, for instance, since we can't get Jay back on the line, that, yeah, I mean, he's just starting from square one. I need grass now. I've got dirt. What do I do? Yeah. So the main thing that's going to limit his uh, success, I guess, in the wintertime now is because we don't have fall. Mm -hmm. And so when the temperatures outside are in the 40s and 50s, it's long and slow before fescue germinates. Ryegrass germinates a little bit faster, but not more than a couple of days faster. So basically on bare ground, he puts the fescue out. He puts some wheat straw over the top to keep the birds away from it while it's trying to germinate. And one of the best things Jay could do to get fescue to germinate when it's cold, like it is now, is to really rake the soil hard. Make sure he's got little grooves in the soil where the seed can fall down into them. And even get a roller, get something to roll over the ground to press the soil around the seed. So they've got nice little holes that the seed can be in and the soil around it and then moisten it and then put the wheat straw over the top. And it'll slowly germinate by... I would say by the first week or two in December. Good. So there's still time. There's time. And you've always emphasized good seed-to-soil contact. I mean, you can't just go out there with a spreader and figure you're going to throw seed on the top of dirt. And, you know, I mean, a lot of it's not going to take. It may get blown away. It may get washed away. So, yeah, so fescue is his best bet right now. Yeah, fescue in the fall fall and winter is the best bet. And now is the time to do it. If he couldn't do it back in the September time, but in September it was like 90 degrees for three weeks in a row. Right. It was too hot. You couldn't yeah, plant fescue then. There was a, it felt like there was a very small window, and that's when my husband and I seeded our fescue, was that very small window yeah. when, when I think there was maybe one rain that kind of cooled it off a little bit. And then we got out there right after that, like, okay, this is the time, you know? Yeah. So Jay, you know, good luck, but that's what he does. Fescue now, and just be able to be slow. And for those um, people who who seeded like like I did back at the end of September, beginning of October, even middle of October, heck, um, that are seeing the new fescue growth now, mm-hmm. what's the importance of cutting that? I mean, you've already you feel like you've already put the mower and your yard tools away, except for the blower. You've you've put things away <laughs> now for the winter. But what's the importance of mowing that new grass? Mow it. it needs to be mowed. If it's three inches or higher than three inches, it needs to be mowed to three inches. Don't well, let it just grow to five or six or seven. So what does that do? Mowing it makes it grow better. I don't know. It just is. Said, well, versus <laughs> just leaving it and not mowing it. Right yeah, now. if you leave it not mowing, it, it tends to mat down, looks sort of ugly. Okay. I think it just looks better mowed. All right.
Get the mower out of the garage and crank it up and go mow some. In December, you're going to be mowing your lawn. Gail is in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Gail, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are y'all today? We're all right. What's up? Good. Um, I I have a question. I have a lantana, the old-style lantana that you don't see anymore. Sure. Well, my aunt and I planted it like four years ago. Well, normally I don't think your lantana gets like maybe the three and a half feet tall. Mine is like seven feet tall. (laughs) A good year for lantana. Oh, and it does this every year, and it just goes, it goes up and just like spreads out like yeah, sure. I've never seen anything like it. So, so the question, the question is, is, when do I prune this stuff, and how far down can I cut it to the ground? About when, 10 years ago, actually, we had a call screener named Teresa Schrum, mm-hmm. and Teresa, who's moved to Montana now, she and I would get into verbal fisticuffs oh, no. about when to prune lantana. I prune lantana, Gail, whenever I feel like it. Teresa, okay. on the other hand, would prune hers. She'd wait and look at those ugly stalks for six months or three months anyway. Okay. And she would look at yeah. those ugly stalks until like first uh, of April, like March, late March, when the little sprouts would come up at the bottom of the plant. And I just can't bear to look at ugly, leafless, brown stalks all winter long. So I prune mine now. Okay. Wonderful. Because it's it's beginning to look really terrible. Yes. And I'm like, I can't do this. It's just, it's it's ugly. It's not going to look any better between now and March. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm going to do that probably this weekend. Gail, because you're my friend, I have another tip for you. And that is this. Okay. What the, uh, one is the name of the lantana you have. Very likely it's called Miss Huff, Miss Huff Lantana. Uh-huh. And Miss Huff Lantana was discovered actually over in uh, middle Georgia, below Athens, where a lady brought her lantana into a nursery over there at Goodness Grows Nursery and told them, look, my lantana goes through the wintertime and never dies. They thought, wow, what's your name? She says, Miss Huff. Oh. <laughs> they, they called the uh-huh. lantana. It's all over the southeast now. They named it for her. And the other yeah. thing is that if you want it to really be, I don't know, have more flowers on it, it would be nice to fertilize at least once a year. So think about fertilizing in the spring when it's starting to grow. Okay. It'll look better then. All right. Perfect. Have fun. Thank Cut it down. Thank you so much. By the Thank way, you. I use a chainsaw on my, my mother's. We use a chainsaw. Cut it down perfectly. Just wow. cut that right across it about four inches high. Look great after we finished it. 742, and Ken is in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ken, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? We're well. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really do enjoy your show every week. I have a plant that is uh, about 30 years old, and it's in a bush almost 10 feet tall. I don't want to call it a little tree. I think it's just a big bush. But in the springtime, it has honeysuckle form blooms on it and now this time of the year it has a little red berry at the base of each one of the leaves on this little skinny stem that sticks out there'll be a leaf on each side of the stem sure. and it has a little red berry on each side of the stem maybe three little berries yeah and they're about the size of a small pea does do you know what type of bush or the name of that bush would be i do indeed ashley all right so on the count of three let's both say it and see if we're thinking the all same right thing. let's see one two, two three, three. nandina 
All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Walter. What did you say? Amur A A M U R Amur Honeysuckle. Oh. A M U R Honeysuckle. Honeysuckle. Uh, Lanisra Macciensis. Um, The Amur Honeysuckle. And the reason I think this, and you, you you got carried away with the red berries, actually. Well, and I just thought maybe the honeysuckle was growing, you know, kind of uh-huh. overtook a bush that was already there. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Good thinking. You never know how the honeysuckle or the, uh, the uh, nandina is growing. But in this case, because he described it so clearly of leaves on either side of the stem and two berry, two red berries on either side of the stem, that way I knew it was a honeysuckle, not a nandina, which would have the red berries and the big clusters, you know. And so also, having had much experience with the Amur honeysuckle, I know what it looks like. And I know that birds spread those little berries. They love those little berries. They eat them up, eat them up, eat them up. Mm-hmm. And it sprouts in places you didn't expect it to sprout. And you get bushes about 10 feet tall with little red berries in November, December. Okay. Great. I appreciate that. I have one more quick question. Wait, 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 Ken. The okay. question is, what are you going to do with it? What is your decision now? What are you going to do? Well, it's it's overwhelming in size, and I need to trim it back. I like right. to make it more manageable. Yeah. Right now, it is just overwhelming, and it's blocking the view of some site paths for security reasons. I just feel like it needs to be taken down. Sure. No problem at all. Hit it, <clears throat> hit it where it needs to be hit. Go for it. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, on my Akubas, I have the leaves are turning black in certain areas. Just here and there, all around the uh, Cuba bushes, sure. and they're curly and they're black. Mm. What type of disease or fungus do I have with that? Do you have any idea? If you, if I let me hold my fingers in front of the microphone for a minute, uh, Ken, see mm-hmm. how tightly my fingers are crossed right now. My fingers are crossed because my Cuba looks exactly like yours. Blackened ends of the leaves all curled up and black. Yeah. And the only thing that's changed about it is there was a red bud that shaded it uh, until the spring when the red bud died. And so now it's in for more sun. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the sun is the issue and not the disease, which I <coughs> am feared that it is. There's a disease that gets on Akuba and many shrubs in town. Always the symptom is leaves wilt, leaves turn black, leaves are curly at the tips. It's called Phytophthora root rot. Akuba gets it. Uh, Daphne gets it. Um, what else? Uh, Edgeworthia gets it, certainly. Uh, rhododendron get it. But Phytophthora root rot is one of those things that the symptoms are all about the same, blackened leaf tips and uncurable. That's the problem. That's why my fingers are so tightly crossed that I don't want me to have Phytophthora on my Cuba because it's such a pretty plant. It's right where I want it to be. But exactly. I, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. If it you know recovers and when the springtime comes... I'll be grateful, and if it does not recover and the leaves continue to turn black and all fall off, then I'll have Phytophthora. Okay, now does that, does that spread from bush to bush, or is it strictly a root uh, issue? Only on susceptible plants, and that's why I listed the ones, Akuba, uh, yes. uh, Rhododendron, Azalea, uh, Daphne. They're the ones that get it. The other shrubs and plants like holly and you know, uh, any of your other ornamental shrubs don't get it much at all. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Good luck with the Akuba. Good thank luck. You, sir. Keep your fingers crossed too, Ken. You'll need those crossed fingers to get the disease out of there. So I've got a question from Facebook. Yeah. A pretty good one that Mark wrote in a couple of weeks ago. 
He recently read an article that indicated coffee grounds may negatively impact the ability of the plant composted by the same to thrive. They cited a study where plants with caffeine in their systems have different traits. So mm. what what would be your advice? We had a call in the first hour mm-hmm. of ash mm-hmm. and what, what that ashes? does for yeah. the soil. So household waste, coffee grounds, what do you think about that? I like putting them under shrubs as a source of uh, organic matter, a little bit of nutrition, not much. But as far as helping the plant markedly, I don't think coffee grounds or banana peels or eggshells or any of those things really, really help the plant. But there's nothing wrong with them. They certainly don't hurt anything. Nice. Right. What what would what would that do to the acidity of the soil? Nothing. Okay. Manitow, 748 News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. And here on WSB Radio is where you've gotten Walter Reeves' lawn and garden expertise for 25, almost 26 years every Saturday morning. So, yeah, it makes your head spin, doesn't it, Walter? (laughs) So a quick check of the weather brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Early morning drizzle. Looks like that may have burned off by now. Sunny, highs around 58, lows 36. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high of around 60, a little bit better. Low of 38. The complete weather forecast comes up in 10 minutes. And coming up later today, you got the Home Fix It show from 9 to 11.30, a little bit of an abbreviated show for Dave Baker. And then, of course, UGA tailgate show, pregame, all that begins at 11.30 this morning here on your Home of the Dogs. Of course, kickoff against the Auburn Tigers in Athens. That is at 3.30 today, so stay tuned. Shop and save with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Sunday coupons for tomorrow, $244. Get in-depth local news and details you won't find anywhere else. So, Walter, we were talking about snakes. So, if, if that freaks you... Yeah, so if that freaks you out just for the next little bit, you may want to just t- turn the radio down for a minute and a half. But <laughs> Louise had a great Facebook post and a question. She lives in Norcross, wanted to bring the house plants in. So in the meantime, she's just been covering them with sheets and plastic. But uh, she doesn't want to have a heart attack. She doesn't want to have her townhouse torn down. She wants to make sure there is not a snake in her plants. She can't mm. put her hands in the plants to see if there's a snake. She's too scared. <laughs> so people have told her that cinnamon oil or snake be gone. But, I mean, really, so what What are the odds yeah. of you having a snake in a large not potted plant? huge, not huge, but we know snakes do once in a while in the blue moon be in, in, in potted plants. The cinnamon oil, the snake be gone, they don't work at all. So don't even think about that. The thing that works is for her to go before she brings them inside, go out with a broom handle or something, just tap the pot, tap, tap the pot and leave for a while. And any snake that's in that pot is going to say, oh, oh, somebody's around here and beating on this pot. We're going to get out of here now. So beat on the pot, be on the shrubbery, um, leave for a few minutes. And the snake, if there is one, which is not likely to be, the snake will leave and abscond and go somewhere else. And you can bring the plants in without having a heart attack, fearing that a snake is in your shrubbery or your house plants. We would not want Louise to have to tear her no. entire house down Looking just because a snake. snake got loose. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Snakes are deathly afraid of big things around them because right. they're scared somebody's going to bite them, eat them, do something like that. And just tapping the ground, tapping the shrub, tapping the or the plant, 
doing anything that informs the snake that something's big around there. The snake wants to get out as fast as they possibly can. Give them an exit way to go and let them go. Tap and run. Tap and run. <laughs> <laughs> when I walk in the woods, I'm oftentimes walking over or stepping over a log. And a lot of times I try to tap the log first. Yeah. Say, here I come. My foot's going to be on the other side of the log. Mr. Snake, if you're there, I want to tap first. Tap, tap, tap. He hunkers down put my foot over and sort of get out of there as quick as I yeah, can. Yeah, just keep moving. Yeah. So coming up in the next hour, the 8 o'clock hour, of course, we'll have Jeff and Marietta, How to Resurrect His Mums That Froze. Yep, happened to mine. Happens yep. every year. You'd think I would have learned by now. And more of your calls from our open mic feature on the WSB Radio app. Record yourself asking a question for Walter using the open mic feature, and you'll hear it in the next hour on Lawn and Garden. Our number 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.